Hello everyone, you're listening to Game Rivals, a podcast where a Nintendo fan and a PlayStation fan talk about the latest games and happenings in the gaming community and industry. I'm one of your hosts, Maximilian X, and together with Sean Templar, we bring you this bi-weekly podcast about video games. Hey guys, Maximilian X here on the top of the episode um, with a special message from the team. We made a survey to gauge what people think of Game Rivals. Please fill this in as it will help us make the content that you would enjoy. The link for this is in the description for the episode, or you can find the link also on our Twitter, which is at game underscore rivals underscore. Thank you for your attention, and now back to the main episode. And welcome to another episode of Game Rivals. I am one of your hosts, Maximilian X, back with his original voice, for the most part. And here with me is the most magnanimous, most awesomest co-host, Sean Templar. How are you doing, Sean Templar? I'm doing fine. I'm just afraid you're creating such a big expectation for people who listen when you throw those words at me but i don't <laughs> want to disappoint people well um we got something completed just just this past week it's really awesome and i think the fans will love it too um we still have to figure out when we're going to release that stuff but uh yeah i mean that's part of why it's so fun to work with you guys definitely <clears throat> So, um, we have a lot of news to cover and not a lot of time, so let's just dive right ahead into things. And to begin, um, there, um, let me just start with uh, this survey that Sony sent out to, uh, to gamers out there um, about remote play. And, uh, you know, when companies send out surveys they want to know what interests you so they can make the service better what you want out of the service and stuff like that including in those questions was a question on what devices you would like to play remote play on and one of the devices that they put on the survey was the switch which it doesn't have to mean anything it doesn't mean have to mean anything at all but honestly i would be really happy if remote play was available on my switch since i bring it everywhere um and it has a better battery life than my vita so i think it will be the perfect lure to get all those nintendo fans hooked on playstation games and say like hey you have this crappy switch but you know you can play these awesome triple a gorgeous games through remote play but if you want to truly experience it in the best fidelity possible buy a PS4, or even better, buy a PS5. It's the perfect way to lure you guys in. And uh, what do they? What, what's the expression? Hook, line, and sinker, stuff like that. So, yeah, man, let's do it. I want it. Yeah, but, but you're forgetting. You require a PlayStation 4 to do remote play. I think no, but like I think that it's not PlayStation now. To be again, to be clear, yeah. it's not PlayStation now where you can, um, uh, what is the, where you're doing cloud gaming, yeah. where you're streaming. This is remote play, so you require you're required to have a PlayStation Four to have this feature work on your PlayStation Vita or on your mobile at this point. Yeah, but like so... I think, like based on, for example, now you can do remote play on mobile devices. Um, I've tried it a couple of times; it works okay-ish. But I think like something like this would truly shine when they just say like, "Hey, you can get a subscription." 
and then you can just play the whole PlayStation Now library, for example. I think that there's more value in it there than to say, okay, hey, uh, you already have a PlayStation and you can now play it all in the Switch because I have an iPad, I can do it on my iPad, but because it doesn't work that well, I'm not doing it on my iPad. Yeah, but a Switch has, you know, buttons, the most quintessential thing in gaming. Oh, because I can hook up my PS4 controller to my iPad and then I have a real PlayStation 4 controller in my hand with buttons. Yeah, but then you need a mount and like a bunch no, of no, stuff. No, 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 no. Switch no. doesn't need that. No, no, no. I have an iPad with <laughs> a case and a stand so I can just flip it up and it, don't go there. But like, I mean, like, it, I think it'll shine more when they hook it, it combine it into a, a separate service in which you just uh, get a subscription and you stream all the games you want to play or at least the games in the PlayStation Now catalog because it also presents more value because it has a lot of games already in there before well, they... Then, but then I'm more curious because this is this question is specifically towards remote play, you know, as a function. Yeah. So... I mean, if uh, the, the the cool thing about this is that a lot of people have a Switch as a second console next to their PlayStation or their Xbox. So I think it's more geared towards those people that have two consoles in the household, that have the Switch for when they want something on the go, and have a PlayStation 4 for that extra fidelity. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that if if you already have that, why not have it on the Switch so that you can play your PlayStation library on the go? The only downside with remote play is that this, the PlayStation 4 has to be on. That's just a little bit of a downside. Um, so maybe it, maybe if it allows them also to eventually bring PlayStation Now to Switch, that would actually be a boon. I, I, I'd totally go for that. I'd try that out in a heartbeat. I think that's a lot of value in there, but you just need to do it. Yeah. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see if this actually becomes a thing or not. Because again, surveys don't necessarily mean that it becomes a thing. It's just gauging interest from their player base. Yeah, I mean, uh, I hope that it's something that they'll flesh out more in the in the future of just remote play in general. Because as it is now, it it's a it's a cool idea. It just doesn't work as well as you would want it to. Uh, True. So like. We're heading into a new generation, and besides a lot of nice hardware accompanied with that, we also need like a lot of software improvements or benefits. Sony really needs to step up their software game because you know it's just people won't take. I don't think people will be happy if they just say, "Okay, here's a new box. These are the specs. Your games are even prettier. You can play 4K 60 FPS or 120 or 8K or whatever." Those are nice ways to like hook me and to kind of like. My, get my interest, but like I want features that that I can't do on my current PlayStation. There are rumors that you can play multiple games or suspend multiple games, which is kind of nice because that way you don't have to constantly switch around. Now, when you switch between games, you have to end one game, start another game, or pop up the disc, pop in a disc. And apparently, with the new one, you can just freeze up to four games, I believe. In uh, you suspend up to four games, so that way you can switch easily between games. That's okay. a feature is like really nice. I would like that. I would like to know how much memory they're spending on this, but sure. Hey, if they have a lot of memory, why not? I mean, uh, rumors are that they're gonna put in what sixteen gigs, maybe twenty four gigs. I don't know. All right. Oh well, we'll see. Oh, speaking of next gen, 
Um, did you, uh, uh, you had an article about the uh, Xbox using some weird technology? <laughs> so there was a photo that popped up a couple of days ago in which there is a port on the back of the Xbox, the, the new Xbox. Let me just put it mm. that way. And it looks like a CF Express expansion slot, which is basically a, a big kind of SD card expansion way. Um, CF Express is used in high-end cameras right now because it offers a lot of bandwidth. So the transfers, the read and write speeds are like really, really high. It's around, I believe, over a gig, almost two gigs per second read and write. And uh, this could be a potential uh, expansion slot for the internal uh, accompanying the internal storage. The only downside right now is that CF Express is really expensive. Um, so hopefully by the time that, if the rumor pans out to be true, by the time that the Xbox comes out and CF Express becomes to become a little bit more mainstream, the prices will go down as well. Um, it's still up in the air what kind of storage the Xbox will have from a from like a physical capacity view. Um, there are rumors floating around that at least the PS5 will have two terabytes of storage, which would be really nice because uh, with this generation, we noticed that some games are over 100 gigs, such as Red Dead Redemption 2. Um, mm-hmm. You can barely install some games on your PlayStation 5 if you go up that high-rest texture route. And considering that they're probably looking to have games uncompressed on the hard drive, it's probably going to be even bigger than that. Because that's, like, compressed. I don't know if they... Would they do it uncompressed? Because there's no... I wouldn't see any benefit for them to do it. I mean, they have some... The benefit to doing it uncompressed means that you can have higher quality textures. Yeah, but like we, they can stream it in. For example, what they do with uh, Horizon Zero Dawn is that they combine it. So they offload a part to the uh, hard drive, but they stream in a lot of data as well through the disk. And they, found, they came up with this new technique to do it. Um, and it works really, really well. It's really fast and it works really well for them. So, um, yeah, or maybe they should give people the option, like, do you want uh, to have uncompressed or compressed, or do you want to load it in or not? I uh, remember with the Xbox 360, you could opt to cho- to install games on the hard drive. You weren't forced to do it, but it would bring benefits with it if you did it. Yeah, that's true. But now you're in this generation, you were forced to install whether or not you wanted it or not. So. Yeah, but sometimes it was really annoying. Yeah, well, it was annoying all the time with me, but that's fine. <laughs> you have a small hard disk. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I have a 500 gigabyte hard drive in my PlayStation 4. It is not enough. No, I mean, even and there's people are gonna call, gonna be like, really, how are you even able to do that? I have a 200 gigabyte SD card in my Switch, and even that's not enough anymore. Wow. Yeah. Games are getting bigger. Even the demos are getting bigger. It's just, it's just crazy talk. It's just crazy. I know. But um, that slot that you were talking about, people also initially, when that picture came out, suggested that it was probably some kind of a developer bay um, where developers can hook up to the to the Xbox, uh, the new Xbox, and uh, you know do some stuff, you know, updates and whatever have you. So I don't know if that's the case. Uh, maybe it is a maybe it is a CF card reader. I guess only time will tell. E three is only in June, so that's like what four months away. 
Oh boy, the road to E3 has already begun. <laughs> oh man, we need some games before then because it's so freaking quiet. Yeah, well, last time we talked about the season of delay, so I guess it's going to be a while. But uh, Animal Crossing New Horizon is on schedule to release in March 20th, so I'm good. <laughs> you, know, you know what's funny, by the way? I'm looking at the picture right now, but um, there are two USB ports, super mm. speed, so they'll probably be uh, USB 3.1 or 3, 3.2, whatever. There's an Ethernet jack. There's a power adapter up there input. So for your for your power, there's an optical input. There's the mystery port, and there's one HDMI connection. I don't yeah. see USB C, for example. Maybe it's on the front or whatever. And I don't see an extra. I'm ass- uh, well, I'm assuming those are USB 3.0 um, ports. Yeah, but they're like the the back. It's 3.1 or A or it's it's A, so it's full size USB. It's not yeah. C. So I think maybe at the front or for something they should have C. But there's no HDMI. The front has nothing. Didn't they have the front? The front literally only has the the disc slot and a button to eject the disc. Are you sure? Yeah, hundred percent. I thought I saw like extra input. But anyways, like there's no HDMI in. Which yeah, which was yeah, yeah. They took that out. This uh, Xbox generation, like oh, you can hook it up. It's the center of your living room. Bloody bloody blah. blah. And well, now... that was the Xbox One philosophy. Yeah. So when like... when, when Don Matrick was still in charge and they were trying to advertise you not a gaming system but a entertainment system. Yeah, because it's funny that they abandoned that completely and they're like, oh, it's all about gaming, gaming, and even more gaming. Kind of what Sony has been doing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I, honestly, I find that's good. I mean, I'm sure there are a small selection of Xbox fans that are going to miss that feature, but I don't think it's big enough for them to mm, worry about it. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Time will tell. Time will tell. Yeah, because I saw at the front there is a, a USB-A connection. Oh, right. You're right. That's, so that's probably also just a USB 3.0 connection or 3.1 or whatever it is right now. Yeah, but it's a full-size USB as well because the Sony, I believe the, PS, the DualShock 5 will have USB-C, for example, which is nice. Mm. Is another that example. is nice because the micro USB was terrible oh, on the PlayStation 4. I hated it. Mine is mine is like what was is wobbly, but then I figured out it's not the PlayStation Four controller's fault because it's a brand new one. Mm. It's the cable itself. Nah. <laughs> uh, I hate that connection so much. Anyway, speaking of disasters, Warcraft Three got remastered, and uh, boy, did they uh, did they use the word remastered liberally in this in this uh, in this case because uh, people are not happy. I have heard. I uh... you like. I I don't even know if I want to expose you to the Metacritic user user score of Warcraft Three, because it is. I think, I think it's at point zero five. It's like the lowest user score ever. Wow. That's... Yeah. But isn't that like? Isn't the review a little bit biased because maybe longtime fans expected something and they didn't get it, and because of that, they're review bombing the game? Um, well, there there are definitely people review bombing the game, but there are also people that um, that have legit, you know, issues with the game itself that are still giving it a bad score. Okay. Yeah. So 
I mean, even the like even the 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 the, the, the critic review sits at an average of sixty. Which for Warcraft three, like the original Warcraft three, sat at a ninety one. Wow! So for it to go from ninety one to sixty is a huge deal because honestly, the only thing they needed to do was make the game look prettier and have it be the same game, not make the game somewhat prettier and then take features out that people like. I haven't really That's... followed on what they improved or what they did, but. Apparently, so they took out features and they took out features and they actually redid their uh, their terms of service in in terms of using um, games like Warcraft Three. Because so you you remember the story about how Dota ex- got made, right? Kinda. So Dota was this custom game that some ga- that that some gamers made in warcraft 3 mm-hmm. that got really popular it blew up and they sold the rights to dota to valve I which remember. is why dota 2 is now a valve thing and blizzard had to make heroes of the heroes of the storm because they didn't have the rights to the game idea blizzard does um valve does so they had to make something similar to it, and they realized that they missed out on a big potential thing. So now, if you make custom games in Warcraft 3, they are wholly owned by Blizzard. Any what? custom game that you make in Warcraft 3 is lock, stock, and barrel owned by Blizzard. So they can do whatever they want, and they don't need your permission. Because you agree to the terms of service when you when you make stuff in custom games that sounds like they're exploiting people oh yeah people were not happy about that one uh, they were also it. not happy about the fact that they took out certain custom game abilities that the original game had right. they also didn't like the fact that the only thing that they changed were the models that models looked prettier but the environment still looked the same only with higher resolution textures this sounds like one of those games that they want to quickly cash in on. And to make things worse, the game is literally built on the original engine. Oh my so God. bugs from the original game exist in this new version. Oh my God. <laughs> when I heard that, like that was officially mentioned, by the way, in, a, in an interview. I don't know. I don't have the interview in front of me right now, but my goodness, the arrogance. You think you think that they tried to get some more goodwill after the whole um, blitz chunk thing? No, no. Like just watch Blizzard evaporate to a shadow of its former self. Maybe How not even that. Possible? How is it possible that a company like Blizzard, that was like they were, they had this legendary status in the industry, has now all of a sudden turned into. Well, I'd almost say that they're kind of like EA. Times are changing, man. Well, yeah, times are changing. I mean, they got bought by. Here's the thing: they, when I'm not, I don't want to blame this all on act, the Activision part of it. But, but that's been years. That's been like years that that they've been bought. Exactly. I mean, I guess integration was really slow. I mean, active when they got bought by Activision, they did say that they were going to be 
as hands off as possible. Yeah. Let Blizzard do its thing because that's what brings in the money. Well, um, times changed, and monetizations are ruling the roost. So, yeah. I mean, their biggest game is Overwatch, and well, they're putting out a sequel, which is nothing more than a glorified expansion pack. Yeah, I was about to say that. People are not so, going to like it when that comes out. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, man, disasters, man. Disasters for Blizzard, man. The great way to start the year, Blizzard. <laughs> and it will probably only get better as we move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, speaking of moving on, someone else has been moving on, haven't they? They have definitely moved on, and maybe that's the luck that Blizzard needs. I doubt it, but um, this morning, I think, the, uh, the, there was a, a message out that the studio head uh, of Gears of War at Microsoft um, is moving on to Blizzard to work on uh, Diablo. Yeah. Yeah. Which I mean, is- this guy has been around us. By the way, the person that we're talking about is uh, Rod Ferguson. Yeah. Um, he has worked for Microsoft and Epic Games in the past. I actually do remember that he used to work at Epic. Yeah, he worked on uh, Gears at Epic, and then he moved yeah. to Microsoft. And then they first started working on a different game. The game got kind of like a tease at a couple of E3s ago. But eventually that game never got made, and they moved on to Gears. And then now he's moving on to Blizzard. Mm-hmm. So that's a really nice move for the guy, I think. Yeah, I mean, good for him. I hope that whatever, um, whatever they, ha- the whatever, whatever the plans that they have for for Diablo Four, I'm assuming that that's what he's gonna be working on. Probably. Um, if the, no, no, they're gonna let him work on that mobile game. Oh no, no <laughs> that no. would be funny. <laughs> no, and that that would be so depressing if that was true. No, oh man. No, 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 no. No, but yeah, I'm. A, I mean, he's gonna be working on Diablo Four. I'm not sure what he's gonna be doing at the team itself. Um, what what department he's gonna head? Um, but you know, we'll see. Um, it is. I want to say it's good to hear something positive with Blizzard, but since we don't know what Diablo Four is gonna look like, I mean, we've seen. Oh, sorry, we've already seen some footage. Um, but how the game is going to play out, you know, in its entirety, we've only seen a snippet of it when they announced it. The only thing I can say that is that if they are going to give him creative freedom in whatever he's going to do, um, as part of the Diablo team, it's going to be at least for the better. Yeah. Because uh, at this point, Blizzard really needs a win. <laughs> yeah. They really need a win, and hopefully, he can uh, help in facilitating that win. Um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have to wait and see. I mean, did the uh, Diablo Four get a release date? I can't remember anymore. Uh, I think I don't, actually. That's or was it when it was done again? Uh, uh maybe. Hang on, let me check real quickly. When is Diablo 4 coming out? It was announced last November. I don't think it got a release date because a lot of things didn't get release date that day. Um, they were just announced and like that's about it. Yeah, 
yeah, it was just announced. They didn't give a release date. Yeah, it's too soon. It's too soon. Like, I mean, they had like playable stuff there, but it's it's too soon. I wonder if they didn't announce it because a lot of people were expecting it, or that they kind of needed like a win to put it that way, and that this mm. was their way of getting a win. Well, they definitely did it because they needed the win. Because again, what we they they were still reeling from the whole. Hong Kong protest thing, so yeah. Or the BlizzCon uh, mobile game thing. Oof, yeah. It has not been a good it, year for it, Blizzard. <laughs> no, it, it has not been a good couple of years for Blizzard, indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. Yeah. So to have. round off to round off uh, some things, um, GeForce Now. Yes. You uh you had an article on that as well. Yes. So. Uh, NVIDIA has been testing GeForce Now for a while now in mm-hmm, beta. That's true. Um, I even got access a while ago, um, and it was okay-ish. Uh, I didn't really get to try it out a lot, but it was initially fine. I mean, it was what I believe Stadia should have been, and I'm going to mm-hmm. leave it at that. I'm not going to head into a, ba- a bashing of the Stadia again. So basically what it is, is is you rent an online game PC, but you can bring your existing library of games to this PC, which is amazing. So for example, you can log in with your Steam account, and then you will basically download the games in your library to that PC or in the cloud. You can Mm -hmm. use uh, Uplay, you can use Battle.net, you can use, I believe, the Epic Game Store. So they have pretty big... uh, game services in there the only oh, one that's, that's awesome. yeah the only one that are that's missing that's maybe origin gog and probably some other ones i can't name right now but that's i mean like i have a lot of games on steam so i could just bring think, my library I, over i think anybody who owns a pc has a lot of games on steam by I, I hope for them that they do or maybe they're one of those you know hippie uh hipsters that say no no, no i only use uh, like these independent services for all my games but anyways the 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 system is based on in two tiers you have a free Mm. tier which allows you to play sessions of an hour um and then there's the second tier and i don't know if the if the free tier is you can only play one hour and then it's over or if it's you can only play sessions of an hour and then you have to restart your sessions um and then, then there is the founders tier, which is five euros forty nine cents a month. Uh, yeah. And then you get uh, priority access to your serv- to your game PC or to your server. You have longer session times that you can use. It supports RTX, meaning ray tracing, um, and you get ninety days of an introduction period. Uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. So it's so now GeForce Now is now officially live. Yeah. Yeah, which is cool because I mean the here's the thing with the free one it's great because at the very least you can check it out, yeah. see if you like it. Kind of like a demo. Yeah, and then if you really want it, you can go for the founders first. Uh, here it's 5 euros and 50 cents a month mm-hmm. for 12 months, so that's yeah. what 60 bucks. Yeah, and the benefit is that you can play it on a lot of platforms. You can do it on your Mac, on your desk, on your Windows PC, on your 
Shield TV, your Android device. It's not available on iOS yet. Hopefully it will come to iOS. Um, I also saw that from a streaming point of view, it is locked at 1080p. So there's no mm -hmm. 4K option yet. But I mean, like the fact that I could, for example, I don't have it. There's no iOS app, but say I travel, I bring my iPad with me. I can log in. I can play Total War Three Kingdoms on my iPad in full HD. I'm completely fine with that. And if I want like a higher experience, I'll play it on my PC locally in 4K, which I do right now. I mean, the fact that I can bring this experience on the go with me and that it works, it's really yeah. nice. The only caveat or thing that NVIDIA itself says is that you need to have a pretty high connection, which is, I think the requirements for the connection are higher than Stadia. And they say that you have to be close to an NVIDIA data center because of the latency. But mm. like for a start, I'm completely fine with that. I mean, if uh, maybe we're lucky and there are data centers of NVIDIA in the Netherlands, because the Netherlands is a popular country to host data centers. I mean, Google is in the Netherlands. A lot of companies are here. So it might even be so that we have servers in the Netherlands, which is only easier for us. Um, mm -hmm. I'm completely uh, happy with this. I'm going to probably try it out in the next couple of days just to see how it is. It is a shame, though, because it's on everything except for iOS. So yeah. if you have an Android device, you can do it on that. If you have an NVIDIA Shield, you can do it on that, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you've have, if you have Mac OS or Windows PC, you can do it on that, obviously. Yeah. Um, I think for a lot of Mac users, this could be a nice opportunity because traditionally the Mac isn't really a gaming platform, and now it's really nice. And maybe if they're listening, they can bring it to Switch. I mean, they're working with Nintendo. They have, the Tegra chip is in the Switch. Uh, yeah. Come on, man. Yeah. Throw us a bone here. Yeah. I mean, why not? I mean, may, may, yeah, why not? Make Maximilian happy NVIDIA. Bring it to the Switch. <laughs> then I can finally play my Kerbal Space program on the go. Oh, really? That's As the, God that, intended. That's the first game you would play, not even Total War. You wouldn't want to make China grow larger together. Oh, we can do that. I can do that on the go with you, man. Sure, man. Yeah, man. Whatever, whatever man. Like I have, I, like I said, I have a huge, I have a huge Steam library. We can play whatever we want. Yeah, I, I <laughs> hope that. Uh, I hope that Google is taking notes and adjusts Stadia according to this, because that way mm. they become a bit more competitive as well. Um, now the only At advantage five bucks a month. They yeah. better. Yeah, because now the only advantage Google has is their technology pipeline is maybe better because they have lower uh, internet connection requirements and stuff like that. But that's the only thing. Yeah. Mm. So uh, to, round, to round it off even more, wow, that would be the, we were way more into that than I thought we would be. <laughs> um, Finally a proper new segment. Yeah, just two more things that I want to talk about. Uh, one is... So if you've been a listener of this podcast for over a year now, first of all, thank you. We appreciate it. Um, continue to spread the good word of Game Rivals. Uh, second of all, um, you may remember that one of my hidden gems that I talked about was the wonderful 101 that came out on the Wii U back in the day. And, you know, it's stuck on that platform because not a lot of people bought the Wii U and even less people bought the game, even though it's a really fun game. Well, worry no more because the game is getting remastered 
and they started a Kickstarter for it. And it's coming to other platforms outside of the Switch. It's at very least coming to PlayStation 4. I think they're heading towards the stretch goal for Xbox One. I don't know if they've reached it yet, but the Kickstarter was so successful, they reached their goal in less than a couple of hours. I know it's coming to PS4 at least because I saw that. Yeah, and they're adding a whole bunch of DLC, um, there a whole bunch of DLC stretch goals. So who knows um, what else they can do with this? And the fact that they were allowed to do this because Nintendo published the game on Wii U, so they have the publishing rights. But in an interview that was made a couple of months before, um, I think it was with VG27. Um, they, uh, the, the, one of the big guys, Hideki Kamiya, um, he was talking about how they got the permission from Nintendo to publish the game because Nintendo was like, oh, if you want to, if you want to republish the game, that's fine. Um, but you have to do it yourselves. Well, they're a developer. So they thought about how the best way to get up, get about it to, you know, get the game out there and raise the capital for it. So they thought, you know what, let's bring it to Kickstarter. So they've been working on this for quite a while to finalize everything, make it a realistic thing to do, and then put it on Kickstarter. And as of now, if I check Kickstarter real quick... To see how far they are. As long as it hasn't kicked me out. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Uh, let's see. Games. Because that one is like, it was on the top of the Kickstarter page for quite a while because it was being so successful. Uh, I think they must have reached yeah, the goals by now. I mean, like a way to. Well, they kept adding more, because now it because they um in this is in euros by the way in euros, they have raised one point two million euros. Damn. And their original uh their original goal was forty four thousand. Ooh. So they've they've multiplied that like a bunch of times. Um, and in terms of stretch goals, they've beaten a whole bunch. Uh, of course, the original was to bring it to Switch. Um, it's coming to Steam. It's coming to PlayStation 4. Um, they're adding a time attack mode as DLC. If they reach $1.5 million, they add a new um, 2D side-scrolling uh, adventure uh, called Lucas First Mission. And uh, if it reaches $1.75 million, they add a remix soundtrack featuring a secret special guest. Have so, you uh, backed the game, or are you going to back the game? I uh, the only reason why I would back the game, honestly, is um, because if you are a backer of the game and you get the game digitally or physically, it doesn't matter which one, you also get all the DLC for free. Hmm. Nice. Which, if I'm assuming, when it comes out, the DLC is added stuff that you have to pay for. So for that, I would do it because it's thirty three bucks. Um, if you get it digitally, and if you get it physically, it's thirty seven. Um, but I'm just gonna wait a little bit because there's still twenty nine days to go. <sighs> okay. So yeah, I, like it's not like they need my money right now. 
because they have plenty to go around. So here's hoping that the game is they're trying to target 1080p on Switch at least at full 60 frames per second because on the on the on the Wii U I believe it was 720p but it was still running at 60 frames. So if they can do 1080 on Switch with 60 frames, perfect because it needs the frames. It need it really needs it. It's like a high octane game. It has a lot of characters on screen, so it would be nice if it was running on on 60 frames at the very least. I think that's a like an opener that they'll do that, right? Yeah, I mean, it costs time and effort to port a game, and I'm assuming that they're doing it themselves. So, yeah, I hope they, uh, they're they able to do that. I hope so. Cool. Well, that's it for the news. This one was a bit more jam-packed, but we got it all. Um, so stick around, guys, and we'll be right back with what we've been playing. <laughs> Alrighty, welcome back everybody to our second segment. What have we been playing? What have you been playing, Maximilian? A bit of the same as the last episode. Um, still playing Kerbal Space Program. Um, I actually launched a deep space satellite this time. Wow, really? Yeah, I built... So, like I said, I, I'm playing in both uh, sandbox and um, career mode. And I, uh, in sandbox mode, you have access to all the parts. Mm, that's nice. And I looked at one of the pre-made satellites that they made, and I wanted to make one that could go into deep space yeah. because they didn't have one that goes into deep space. There's one that you put far enough from Kerbin to observe Kerbin. Mm-hmm. Um, I also put a communication, a, a standard communication satellite into orbit. And then I was like, I want to put something in that goes deep, that can explore other planets. So I made one that can explore other planets and survey the surface. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's doing that right now. Wow. It took me in-game time about a year to get it into the sun's orbit. Whoa. And now I can move in between orbits, which is really cool. But can you... Um... Does it like only have planets based on our solar system, as in like Mars and Saturn, or can you send it outside of our solar system to others? Well, it's in the it's in the Kerbin solar system, which is similar but not exactly the same as ours, mm-hmm. because um, Kerbin has two planetoids orbiting it, okay. so it has the Moon. Spelled M-U-N, because that's adorable. Um, but there's also another planetoid that it go that goes around Kerbin's orbit, which is farther away than the moon. Okay. Um, I haven't explored that one yet. I also haven't landed on the moon recently. Okay. It's really hard to do. Um, I probably need to look up some tutorials on that again to see how that goes. But this one is great. This satellite took me... It took me... Three times. <laughs> and the only reason is because every time I sent it out and it and I got to a better position, I forgot stuff. So, for example, the first time I sent it out, I forgot to add the fuel oh, to, no. to, to uh, allow the, the satellite to maneuver. Mm-hmm. So that was stupid. <laughs> then I forgot the antenna, so it couldn't send any data. 
to black to the planet. So that was pointless. But what do you do then? Do you just start over or do you crash have the to satellite? Re- yeah, or? I have, well, you have the option to revert back to the launch ah, or okay. back to the assembly. Okay. But I have to revert it back to the assembly. And that just because getting it to the position that I needed always takes about 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Every time, like real time minutes. What? Even Why? if I speed up the game, it's 15 minutes. Why? Because you have to be ever so slightly maneuvering so you can even get it into orbit to begin with. Oh, my God. And when you get it into orbit, you have to increase the, the size of the orbit so that you leave the, the gravitational pull of the planet mm-hmm. and get into the gravitational pull of the sun so that you can make a solar orbit. And that's how you survey other planets. Okay. Yeah, I saw last time when we were recording it afterwards, I saw you play a little bit. It looks really <laughs> fun, but I'm a bit afraid that it's a bit overwhelming if you don't know, if you don't understand everything. It is. Yeah, like to- it totally is when you're f- the first time you're playing it, don't ever use sandbox mode. Yeah. Like if you're the first time you're playing it, go through the tutorial. It's very nice and neat. Um, if you're not the type of person that does in game tutorials, Watch a tutorial online. There's uh the curb the curb the Kerbal Space Program community is huge. I've noticed. And they're welcoming. Go at it. Watch their videos. Read the wiki. Go into to career mode and learn how to do it step by step. Nice. For someone who's been playing it for a lot longer, like me, I just jump into sandbox mode and I'll just I'll either pick a craft, use it as a basis for something that I want to make. Yeah. Or um, make something from scratch. So it can be a bit daunting, but if rocket science is something that interests you, totally go for it. You will not be disappointed. <laughs> I, I I'm seriously considering buying the game. Um, wait, wait for wait for Kerbal, Kerbal Space Program too, because that one has co-op. Okay. Yeah, I don't know when it's gonna come out. I hope it's this year. It'll probably um, be out but- in early access this year. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so, because then I'll pick it up right away. Hmm. Um, other than that, I've been playing Pokemon again. Yay. Um, yeah, I've been doing a lot. I've just they added a new Pokemon to the max raid battles temporarily, so I just picked it up just so I can get a bunch of those Pokemon. I saw is, something uh, like a new Dynamax Pokemon yesterday or something. Oh yeah, that got announced yesterday as well. The Dynamax for Toxicity. Tough name, but fun Pokemon. It's a really cool Pokemon. It comes in two forms, and they're both rockers. They both look like punk rockers with their with their spiky electric mohawks. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'll probably try and get those as well. Um, but that's basically what I've been doing in Pokemon. I've just been getting more po- more Pokemon in the max raid battles trying to get better Pokemon, eventually breed them so I can get perfect Pokemon so I can actually play competitively. But the road to competitive is long and hard, especially if you've never done it before. Well, yeah, that makes it nice and challenging, right? Yeah, that's true. To look forward to. Yeah, definitely. Um, still on the fence on whether I'm going to get the DLC or not, but time will tell. You will. Um, you will. Yeah, funny. So that's... Uh yeah, that's kind of pretty much what. Well, I did play a little bit of Tetris ninety nine, but yeah, it's Tetris ninety nine. Maybe you've heard enough tell about a little bit more about your experiences with Tetris ninety nine. I think people like it. <laughs> well, 
Well, the only thing, um, the only thing that I've been doing really is uh, I participated in one of those uh, Tetris ninety nine tournaments again. There was this uh, one of these past couple of weeks, and um, yeah, it was just a basic one, the one where you can win um, nine hundred and ninety nine uh, gold points so that you can spend it in the eShop, but eh, for that, you need to win like a whole bunch of times. You like you have to get hundreds of points, and you can do that, but um, I, you know what? To me, it's way more fun when you're trying to get the um, the skins, when you do the, the, the special skins. Those are fun. When it's trying to compete to get 999 gold points that you can spend it in the eShop, have you it been gets... able to win alone instead of in a group? No, I've never gotten well. I've never gotten first alone. Okay. Yeah, I always get like every time when I start playing, I lose right away, and I have to get into it. Okay. So it takes me a couple of rounds to at least get into the top fifty, and then into the top thirty, and then into the top twenty. And it takes me a really long time to get into the top tens because I really need to play it, and that. And when I get to that point. And I finally get into the top 10. I'm just exhausted. <laughs> I can't imagine. <laughs> like mentally, and it kind of trickles over into physically. You're like, oh, thank goodness. I got fifth place. Okay, I'm done. Okay. It's funny that now I think about Battle Royale, but it's like it's been really, really long since I've played a Battle Royale game. I yeah. think that the last Battle Royale game I played was Battlefield Firestorm, which was last year. And after hmm. that, I've never touched a Battle Royale game because I stopped playing Fortnite a long time ago because I just can't stand the annoying little kids building castles. <laughs> I mean, I can't do that. And I, I don't play PUBG anymore because eventually I got bored of that. Hmm. And there are rumors floating around that Call of Duty Modern Warfare is going to get a Battle Royale. I really hope so, but yeah, there's nothing on it. Yeah. I actually, I've actually not played a Battle Royale game. Hmm. How about that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm, there are still plenty of people playing Battle Royale games, so they're not going to go away anytime soon. But it doesn't, like, last year or the year before, it was, you were bombarded with every game getting a Battle Royale mode. And now it's, people barely talk about it. Well, people are getting ready for the next generation, so. Yeah. Why talk about something that you're probably not going to be releasing this year? Yeah, but like, it felt like a Battle Royale mode was a must-have component of a game. Whereas now, I mean... Well, considering that more and more countries are um, looking at loot boxes on a uh, governmental level and gambling level, uh, I think most companies are a bit more weary and they kind of want to wait it out until, you know, a bit more something a bit more concrete appears. Um, but yeah, uh, I... Yeah, I guess we'll see. But yeah. basically, that's what I've been playing. Nice. What have you been playing, Sean Templar? So, um, obviously, I have still been playing a little bit of Call of Duty. Mm -hmm. I had my worst match ever yesterday. I was ashamed. Oh. Okay. I had uh, such a such a bad kill-death ratio. I got, like, what, six kills and 27 deaths? I don't mm. know how that happened, but uh, I just got frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> and I quit. Yeah, I mean, there's this map called Shoot House, which is basically, uh, I think, like a kill house. So when special forces sometimes train, they have these 
abandoned houses they set up with all sorts of obstacles and targets and then they run mm-hmm. it that's what they call it a kill house so there's a similar sort of level in modern warfare but it's just i like cqb so close quarters but this mm-hmm. is just a bit too much and there's like a, for some reason people are using a lot more rpgs right now so i would just in the most random moments i would just get an rpg shell at me and die because you know people like using that whereas in the beginning of the game people would use it less but it looks like the more infinity ward is adjusting or nerving certain things the meta of the game is constantly shifting towards something else first it was claymore mines and then it was these uh, kind of mines that bounce up and kill you and now it looks like rpgs because all the other stuff got nerfed so it's starting to get a little bit annoying um as well as with the map shipment, for example, which that really, really tiny map I mentioned last time, sometimes you can't even spawn and you die because you spawn and then somebody's already standing next to you or in front of you and then he shoots you. So sometimes you really just die. Like You can easily die 80 times on that map. <laughs> yeah, I've had matches in which I killed 80 people. Uh, but yeah, sometimes you also need to have luck because sometimes when a player drops an airstrike, Almost a half of the map is covered by that airstrike. So you're in cover, <laughs> you're gone. Um, or it, when they call in a helicopter, yeah, it's so small that you can just kill everybody from that helicopter. It's it's fun in a way if it works in your advantage. But if you're at the receiving end of it, then it's kind of sucky. Um, yeah. <laughs> besides uh, Modern Warfare, I picked up The Division 2 again because I saw a trailer for Episode 3, which is coming out soon. In episode three, they're going to go back to New York, to Coney Island. Apparently, there's a scientist on Coney Island that has the cure for the this the, the dollar flu that came out in the first one. It's kind of caused this event in the game. Um, so you're going to go back to uh, that. Um, for now, I hadn't finished episode two, which was around the Pentagon. Um, so I first did some activities in Washington, in the, in the main city, and then... You have a helipad, and if you go to the helipad from there, you can be taken to location. So I went to uh, to the Pentagon, um, and the cool thing around the Pentagon is is that you it starts off as a side mission, so you get there, and then you do a, a mission, and then when you complete that mission, um, you can either explore in the Pentagon or you can just pick up the next mission and move on. So it's not like this. I expected to be this super long mission that, got, that was going to take an hour, and then I'd be done. But it's actually four or five missions in the Pentagon. So it's nice that it just breaks up that experience. So you get like 30 minute to an hour experiences every time you do the mission instead of they just give you one mission and you rush through it. So that was really nice. I enjoyed that part. Um, I played some, uh, some, so there was a, after you finish the main game, you go into the end game as they call it. Um, so there's, for example, a raid you can do, and then you get invaded missions. So the missions that are a bit more difficult, and the game shifts around it. So, for example, you can take over control point when you log in, and then when you come back a couple of hours later, it could be that the, that the control point has been taken back, or certain missions have changed. Um, so it's really dynamic. Um, the funny thing is, is apparently the division sold against expectation, so it sold less than they were expecting it to do. Oh, no. That's why Ubisoft has uh, pushed uh, all their games together with the Ghost Recon Breakpoint uh, disappointment. But I'm not experiencing that. I mean, the game is really well. It works really nice. It plays really nice. 
um, the developers are constantly upgrading and adding new features to the game. I noticed, for example, in the menus now, you have a far easier way to manage your gear. Um, there's a lot more in there with respecting and crafting. So the game is helping you out more and more. So you get these better hints, for example. So I'm just surprised that this game failed at the uh, to sell or failed to meet expectations because it's actually a really good game. Do we even know the numbers that it did? I don't know, but we could probably look that quick up. Because um... that... But then again, it's 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 Ubisoft. Maybe you know? they have uh, unreasonable expectations. But uh, so, like six months ago, it was the best-selling game of 2019. Mm-hmm. That's pretty nice. But here it says that, and this was in May last year. Um. Ad, because I have an ad blocker, it's warning that I need to turn off my ad blocker. <laughs> ah! It's, it's yeah. really contradictory because I see certain websites say it's the biggest hit worldwide so far, according to Ubisoft. But at the other side, I hear Ubisoft saying, yeah, yeah, but it didn't meet our expectations because blah, 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 blah. Because I read in an article a while back, because of the Division 2 and of the Ghost Recon incident that's the reason why they pushed all their games yeah yeah anyways i would still recommend people to um play it it's a really good game i mean yeah if you play it with other people together it's even more fun the developer keeps on supporting the game with free content and improvements um so it's all nice and it's a pretty big game so if you're looking for something to keep you busy until other interesting games come out later this year, definitely do it. Um, yeah. And the last game I've been playing is, and I started to play that last time, was uh, Total War Three Kingdoms. Um, I'm a bit more into the game, and the fun thing is, is the last time I played this game was last year, when it, like, maybe two or three months after the release. And now, for example, in my new campaign, I'm already starting to notice differences in the in the updates they brought out for example, there's this character called Dong Zhuo. He has the child emperor taken hostage, so he kind of rules over China and manipulates the emperor into commanding whatever he wants. Okay. Um, normally, in fairly early in the campaigns, he would get assassinated by someone, and that would kind of cause the whole kingdom to go into this all-out war and to try to claim the emperor's seat. Um, but now. I'm like a couple of hours into my campaign and the guy's still alive. He hasn't hmm. been assassinated. He's actually go, he's all out at war with me and he's trying to either vassalize me or to offer me peace. But because he has a separate faction under him called the Han Empire, um, they're pretty easy to take on and they have a lot of uh, settlements. So I'm trying to take out all those settlements first before I make peace with the guy. Um, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Uh, I've noticed that, for example, um, there's a lot more mod support in the game. Uh, when I started, mm. I had forgotten to turn on my mods. So suddenly characters start dying. And I had a mod that characters couldn't die from old age. So I'm like, oh, oh, why are these guys dying? And then I checked and there were a lot more mods I can inst- uh, install for the game, which is also really nice. And yeah, basically, 
I haven't bought the new expansion yet. Um, I'm hearing good reviews about it. So probably further down the line, I'll buy that expansion and sort of play that as well. Um, it just feels so satisfying to command thousands and then take on those battles. And I think you, you watch one of those battles that I was outnumbered. And basically based on the numbers, I would lose that battle. Yeah, I saw and, that. Yeah, if I was to delegate it <clears throat> and then eventually just fought the battle myself and I won twice. So that was really nice. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty sweet to see. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's basically everything I have been playing. So. All right. Yeah. Let's uh, stick around and we'll be back with our hidden gem. Yep. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, with our hidden gems. It's uh, back. I almost, <laughs> I, I almost missed that. <laughs> so, Sean Templer, what is your hidden gem? My hidden gem is a game that a lot of people probably know. is called Far Cry 3. Ooh, yeah. I, I sh- No, I did not play that. I played Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon. Okay, Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon is uh, is an expansion to that game, which yeah. is actually a really well-received expansion. That um, was a standalone expansion, yeah. too. So Far Cry 3 is a game published by Ubisoft. It is a first-person shooter. Um, you are a American guy that's on holidays with his friends, and you, uh, you go out to this island, and you find out that not a lot of things are... are okay on that island and you get captured by these mercenaries this this armed faction on the island and then you try to break free and then suddenly your friends get killed your brother dies in the process um you're a photographer i believe so you're not really the fighting kind of guy type and then you just have this urge this um fight to survive you know this this primal instinct of eat or be eaten uh, mm. It kicks in, and you try to survive and get off the island. Um, it's a really cool. At least that's the 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 fun Far Cry game for me that stood out. I had played Far Cry Two, but I really didn't like that one because of it was it was set in Africa. You would have malaria. Your guns could jam, and more often they would jam than that they would work. And then sometimes you would just randomly drive past these control points and get killed, and yet stalled all, all over again. So I was really happy when they introduced Far Cry 3 that they kind of completely changed the game. Um, you can see influences from other games in there. So, for example, um, Assassin's Creed has a mechanic in which you have to climb to a tower and then sync up with that tower, and then it reveals that area and all the interesting points in that area. Um, Far Cry 3 has a similar mechanic in which you have radio towers that you need to climb onto. And to get to the top of the radio tower, you kind of puzzle your way up and then you hook up that radio tower and it unveils the area in between, mm-hmm. which is for that game, it really worked well. Um, it has a lot of diverse, diverse weapons in it, so you can um, upgrade your weapons with silencers and scopes. But the weapon I, for example, loved the most was the bow and arrow. Um, I just like being that guy that could sneak through the, the grass and then suddenly just pop up and shoot some guys with uh, arrows. Um, Far Cry 3 was memorable for a lot of things, and one of the things it was really, really memorable for was the bad guy. The bad guy was named Voss. 
He was this yeah. really, really crazy guy. Vas Montenegro. Yeah, and he does this 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 monologue at the beginning of the game by asking a simple question around, do you know the definition of insanity? And then he does this whole freaky dialogue, which is really, really cool and stuck by a lot of people. Yeah, um, it did. Yeah, oh, man. He was a really good bad guy. Um, I like that part. There is also a part that you uh, eventually... M- uh, find that your girlfriend's still alive and you're trying to save her and get off the island with her. Um, I love that as well because, you know, it's you you have to make choices in the game sometimes. And then you, there's even one choice in which you can, for example, leave the island or go back and save your girlfriend and stuff like that. So that makes mm-hmm. it really fun, uh, mixes up the combat. Um, Ubisoft has brought a lo- out a lot of games afterwards. Um, I haven't... I've played. They came up with Far Cry 4, but... It felt a lot like Far Cry 3 for me, just in a Tibetan setting. And the, the bad guy was even crazier than Vaas, but a little bit too crazy, if you ask me. That one was voiced and played by Troy Baker. Um, they did Far Cry Primal, which is this prehistoric Far Cry in which you would just have spears and bows and arrows. That one was apparently really good. Um, Far Cry 5... Yeah, not a lot of people played that one, though. Yeah, that's a bummer, because it was really a cool setting. Far Cry 5 came out two years ago, I think. Mm-hmm. And that's set in this, aka Far Cry, Alabama. Yeah, so it's it's set in what in the South, I believe. Uh, kind of feels like this redneck KKK kind of setting, of strange. Yeah, there, you know, there, there religious was a lot cult. of political things. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. I I skipped that one because I, I saw a friend of mine play it, but it felt a lot like Far Cry Three, just in a different setting. And they've added things in between, but. What I loved is the switch from two to three was so big. It was it was so different. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, it all just felt like they just used the same mechanics, just poured over another skin and said, oh, instead of the, the jungle, we'll use uh, Alabama, you know? So, yeah. Um, for example, Far Cry 3 also had multiplayer. It was really fun. You could also build your own maps and game modes. That was also really, really fun. Um, in Far Cry 4, they added co-op, which was cool, I guess. It's just that... It just felt like really the same every time. Hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, except for Far Cry 3. Blood Dragon! Blood Dragon, yeah. Was so 80s fueled yeah. that it felt like it was it was doing it was doing some um narcotics that I won't mention here. <laughs> that are so that are that is so typically associated with the 80s that it's just like that. It's fueled with that narcotic subsistence and just all that cranked up to 11 with laser dragons and laser guns and just ah it like just thinking about it again kind of one make, makes me want to play that one again <laughs> i i never played that one i saw some footage no? it really looked nice oh uh, yeah. as soon as i heard that it was 80s fueled and the and the and i saw the trailer instant buy wow yeah they they did an expansion I, or a standalone expansion for far cry 5 it came out last year but it, yeah, but it was more of Far Cry Five. Yeah, it it continues where Far Cry Five left off, but I don't know, man. It just I, Blood Dragon was it a really tried, nice it one. It tried, it tried. Yeah. yeah, but Far Cry Three is something that I really was curious about myself, mostly because of the bad guy. That soliloquy at the beginning is just like they, because they showed that at an E three once, and I was like, wow, this dude is like insane. <laughs> Like he's asking about the definition of insanity, but like just listening to him speak sounds like 
something a madman would say. <laughs> hey, that man, that bad guy was memorable. A lot of people still stuck by yeah. him, man. Yeah, and he worked as a madman. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe I'll have to pick it up on Steam and play it on then, uh, GeForce Now. If it's there, I would recommend it. Um, yeah. I don't know if it got remastered or not, because I remember that um, some Far Cry games got remastered. Uh, did they remaster 3? I think they did. I, I don't know. Yeah, I think they did. Oh, yeah, it did come out on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. Yeah, so if people want to pick it up, they can. And I mean, if you haven't played this game before, then you should definitely play it right now. It's really, really, really good. Mm-hmm. Hey, mm-hmm. that's my uh, hidden gem. What's yours? Well, mine is going back a little bit into my old well of portable gaming. Um, back to the Nintendo DS, in this case, one of the early games of the Nintendo DS. Um, called Trauma Center Under the Knife. And this is a DS game where you play a surgeon. Okay. Like, literally, you are a surgeon. You have to perform operations, um, save people's lives. Um, basically, it starts off very simply. You play as a character named Derek Styles because everything and anything that had to do with the DS had to have something reminding you that you're playing a DS game in there. Okay. In this game, it was the name of the main character. And he he's starting he's starting off, he's just out of med school, and he's starting off in this small hospital doing simple operations. So Someone comes in, they had an accident, they have glass stuck in their arm, they have to get it removed and you have to suture it up. Um, someone comes in with uh, with a hemorrhage, they, you, have to, you have to open them up, fix them up, patch them up. And the way you perform the operation um, gives you points. The better you do, the more steady hand you have. The better, the higher the score you have, and the higher the score, the better the rank you get. Because of course, it's a Japanese game. It was released by Atlas, so of course, there's an S rank system in there. Um, but you do everything, of course, because it's a DS game on the second screen with the stylus. So the patient is on the bottom screen where you do the operation, and on the top screen is where the stats are. You see the 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 patient's uh, name and what you're supposed to do. And all the instructions are on the top screen. So once you perform one step, it will show you like, okay, um, make the incision, uh, remove the shards, uh, apply apply medicine or suture up, and then close up the patient. You do that. Um, but there's a deeper underlying tale because, of course, there is. There is this organization that has been spreading this disease uh, and it's up to you to save the people with your, um, what is it called again? The healing touch? Yeah, the healing oh touch, God. which allows you to slow down the world around you so that you can perform surgeries at lightning speed. At least to everybody else, it's like you're doing things at lightning speed, but for you, it's slowed down. And you have to draw a star to activate it and the better you perform the star, the longer the pro- the longer the, um, the slowdown lasts. 
And it gets really complicated because first you start off with exercising tumors and then you have to exercise these viruses, which are like living things, which is really weird. And it gets more and more difficult. Um, but the story is ridiculous. The gameplay is really fun because it kind of does feel like you're performing a surgery, even though you just have this dinky little stylus that you're using it with. And the characters are over the top because, of course, they are. Um, Japanese. Well, actually, the characters in the game are all American, but it's a Japanese-made game. Is it, oh, it's kind of like Avengers. You know how American people will look in the eyes of the Japanese? Yeah, but I'm in this case... Tony Stark. <laughs> but, it, but in this case, if you look at this box art, they it's like super anime. Oh, my God. Super anime characters. Does it so, have yeah. these girls that make these weird sounds or scream in a weird no. way? Okay. No, but the nurses will yell at you if you make a mistake. Hmm. Yeah. They better. I mean, uh, it's per person. <laughs> you're messing with. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, unless you dope them up so much that you can perform, <laughs> that you can do what you need you to do. You do that? Well, you can like it. It's a game, so you can't. They can't OD on what you're giving them. It's just to soothe their pain and get their heart rate stable because the heart rate is uh, is your health meter. Yeah. And when their health and when their heart rate reaches zero, they flatline, they die, and you game over. And the game over scream is so sad. It's your main character just walking in the rain with his with his back towards you, and it just says game over. Wow. Really he's just walking in the night and there's like this light shining on his oh, with shit. his head hanging hanging down it's very sad but um i mean it's basically an adventure game mm-hmm. kind of like uh ace attorney but you know with more action um so there's a lot of dialogue in this game like a lot of dialogue <laughs> Like, if you're playing it normally for the first time, you'll be going through so much dialogue before you even reach the first operation. And the, the operation lasts a couple of minutes, and then it's more dialogue. Oh, my God. So, yeah, prepare, pre- be prepared like, for uh, that. It's like a Hideo Kojima game in uh, text. Yeah, actually, kind of it is. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, it kind of is. But it's such a... Like, the this is the first game of its kind i mean if you've played up the tabletop game operation it's nothing like that i mean that's a good primer but it's nothing like that and also just to make sure that people understand that this is a video game just because you play trauma center under the knife or any of its sequels does not make you an actual surgeon so please do not try to perform surgery after playing this game even though you're very tempted to do so okay um, but yeah, like I said, there were sequels to this game. They really? ported the original game on the DS to the Wii back in the day. I actually have that one as well. It's very nice. They they um they redrew all the art, it looks a lot softer, not nicer. And of course, you're using the Wii mode instead of a stylus. I like the stylus better because your hand is way more stable with that than the pointer. The pointer is fine, but uh, not a big of a fan of it. In your wrist, maybe that you might make the wrong move. Exactly, yeah. And they did make a sequel, but I think the sequel was Japan only. I don't remember. Um, and then they made another sequel on the on the Wii on the Wii, which was called Trauma Center: New Blood. Um, and then they made a third game, which was Trauma Team. I 
least I think they were they were either making Trauma Team and it got canceled or it came out and it was I think US only and Japan only uh, because I don't remember that coming out in Europe. Um, let me look it up real quickly. But yeah, I mean, if you want, if you want a game that is um, is different and makes you feel special, then Trauma Center uh, on the DS. Yeah, yeah, Trauma Center under the knife. Or if you if you want to be more modern, you can also always pick it up on the Wii. Um, Trauma Center. Uh, it the, sounds the, like it will make a perfect mobile game, like on a touchscreen. Yeah, the, yeah. I mean, like if you're playing it on a tablet, sure. Yeah. Not, not on a phone. Yeah, but like um, on a tablet, yeah. Yeah, the Wii remake was called Second Opinion, by the way, <laughs> which is perfect. Okay. <laughs> um, the 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 sequel to that on the Wii was called New Blood, and then Under the Knife Two um, was DS. It did come out in North America. It didn't come out in Europe. Hence the reason. Um, it does still follow. Uh, I think it follows a new doctor uh, in this one. I'm not sure what the story is about in this one. I'll look it up later. But yeah, that one was of US, Japan only. And then Trauma Team came out on the Wii. That one also just North America and then Japan again, hmm. which is really disappointing because the Trauma Team actually. Instead of just you being a surgeon, you're a team, of course. So you're doing other stuff as well. You're doing forensic medicine. You're doing endoscopy. You're doing diagnostic orthopedics. You're doing surgery and you're doing emergency medicine. I really need to pick up Trauma Team. I think it's going to be really awesome. I've never played it before. So. Um, but yeah, Trauma Center, Under the Knife, or Second Opinion. You actually know that I've never played a DS game before. I am not surprised. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so I would normally, I'm, I'm okay to try stuff out. For, for example, VR. I mean, I've tried VR. And even though mm. I wasn't really interested in VR, it's just that I never had one of, a game on the, uh, there's never, at least for me, a game that I saw like, oh, I really need to play that game on the DS. Oh, it's so amazing. It's like, I don't know. I've had friends that had DSs, but no. Well, I have a bunch of them. If you ever want to borrow one and try one of the games that I'm recommending on Hidden Gems, you're always welcome to. Well, I might. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, with that, that is my Hidden Gem, and that is the end of this episode. Um, Sean Templer, will you tell the nice people what they can find us? I will try. So, as always... Thank you so much for listening. Um, you can find us on a bunch of places. Let's start off with the podcasting places. So we use Anchor, and Anchor allows us to be available on a lot of podcasting platforms. So we're on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overpod, Overcast, uh, whatever Google calls its podcasting platform. We're there. Um, you can also reach out to us through social media. We have a Twitter game underscore rivals underscore we really need to do something about that twitter handle by the way um you can reach out to maximilian on twitter at maximilian you can send us your feedback through email game rivals feedback at gmail.com you can 
comment or leave us a rating on the Apple Podcast, for example, or on... Please do, because all the ratings will help our visibility. Definitely. Um, You can also leave us a voice message either through the Anchor app or there's a link in the description that if you just click on it, you don't have to make an account. You can leave us a message. Um, We might even feature you as a game rival. Um, We have a YouTube channel. It has a couple of videos out there, so you can check it out. We will put the link in the description. Um, We're also going to be doing more with our Instagram, so you'll be able to follow us there. We will also make sure that there's a link in the description for that. A lot of links in the descriptions going. (laughs) Um, And that's basically it, I think. Yeah, that's it. Um, The survey is still going on for this month. Um, so please, if you haven't filled it in already, please do. Um, we already, already mentioned it at the top of the episode every time for the past couple of uh, months now. Um, we've been getting more of them in. Thank you for that. But we need a little bit more to get a little bit better of a grasp of what people want us to do, what they would like to see, what they'd like to hear uh, from us moving forward. Um, and we're working on some stuff uh, moving forward as well. So look forward to that. And with that, we have truly come to the end of this episode. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Thank you again, Sean Templar, for uh, having this uh, session with me, as always. Thank you for being here, man. Yeah. So from Maximilian X. And Sean Templar. We wish you all a pleasant day and see you all next time.